Well, good afternoon. I'd like to welcome our listeners to this, the third segment of our Disciplines of Discipleship series. Today, we're going to be looking at simplicity. And before we begin, I know that Pastors Andy and Sam join me in thanking all of you that have very generously shared your feedback, your reflections, your questions, and so on. And uh, we obviously very much look forward to building on that momentum. Uh, my name is Tabby Holler-Jordan, and I'll be moderating this series. Um, Andy, would you like to lead us in prayer before we kick off? Glad to. Well, let us pray. Uh, gracious God and Father, thank you for the privilege of conversation. Uh, it's a wonder that you have made us in your image, and that part of that means that we are not mere animals, but living souls, living spirits, as well, uh, embodied spirits. And we thank you for our embodiment and for the conversation. And we thank you for growth and the ability to encourage and challenge one another. I'm grateful for these, my friends, Sam and, and Tabby, and for all of our IPC family. And we ask that uh, you would make this conversation fruitful for all of our individual Christian lives and our growth, but also for our growth together as your body. And we thank you for Jesus and we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Andy. I might kick off with you based on a comment that you made in our last segment that I thought was interesting because a few people that have shared their feedback have said that they, they struggle in terms of kind of how to get themselves in the right mindset um, and the right spirit as they embark on this spiritual discipline journey. And you had touched on, I think, the issue of discernment. So I thought I, I might raise that. And I was, I'm read in the middle of one of Ruth Haley Barton's books, and she makes a wonderful comment about how do we stay awake to the spiritual possibilities present in any given situation. And that to me was fundamentally about discernment. And I, I really liked how that, how she phrased that because it did speak to how some members of the IPC family have kind of raised that challenge. And I was just curious if you had any reflections and Sam too, any, any insights on that, on that question? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Would you read that quote one more time for us, Tad? Yeah, exactly. How do we stay awake to the spiritual possibilities present in any given situation. Yeah. That, I think it's I mean, beautiful, actually. It's, um, it's perfect, right? Like that is, that is in a nutshell, the reason why we would care about spiritual disciplines, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, these, each of these, these disciplines are just one more tool in the toolkit um, that is there to help us remain awake uh, to what God is doing and to what uh, is going on between us and other people and in community and in the world around us. Um, somebody said uh, in one of the things I read, I can't remember who it is now, that in some ways, each of the spiritual disciplines are really just a version of prayer, yeah. right? Like, why do you fast so that you can be alert and prayerful? Why do you go into solitude so that you're not talking to everybody else and you're talking to God instead, right? Um, each of these things are really just facilitating prayer and that prayer 
in its essence is that continuous alertness to the reality of God's presence in every situation. And yeah, the Christian life really is, isn't it? Um, the process by which we are more awake mm. to God's reality in each moment. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, and the idea of staying awake, right, is a good one. It's a scriptural one. I immediately think of um, Jesus in the garden the night he was betrayed. He says, you know, could you not tarry with me but one hour? I like the, the new King James because he used that great word, tarry. But essentially saying, can you not stay alert for one night? And I think we stay awake, honestly, quite simply, in a lot of these ways, by thinking about the possibilities of what God may be able to do, by making our thought life very intentional to think what God might do with a certain interaction with the person, what God might do through this next business meeting, what God might do, the possibilities of God working in my life on this day off I have coming up, whatever it is. And it's one of these things as we attune our minds to the possibilities of God and discernment. In many ways, discernment is just simply thinking about things. And, and it because prayer sort of melds with thinking as we go through our day. And um, I immediately thought of this. How do we stay attuned or how do we stay alert to this? This example, once when I think about simplicity, it always jumps to my mind. I was in a store once and it had like a, a, a knickknack you put on your bookshelf. It's like a little sculpture that said the words simplicity in cursive. And it was something you would decorate your house with to show that this was a value of yours or something. But then I thought even in that, it's a thing you're adding to your house that you don't necessarily need. And so how do we stay awake by constantly being aware of what the possibilities of God may do? Uh, and in the case of simplicity, as we'll probably get to talking about, what God may take from our lives to simplify it. Uh, and in many ways, these things, as you mentioned, with prayer and other disciplines, all sort of can met, meld together into this sort of, not a mess, but sort of this this cohesion of all of these disciplines following after Jesus together. Yeah, I think, I mean, both of your points are so interesting, right? Because in my mind, there's always a danger that we kind of denigrate the disciplines by the virtue of kind of creating yet another to-do list. And someone who weighed in with a question said, you know, she said, I'm, you know, chronically bad when it comes to New Year's resolutions. You know, this feels a little bit like one more thing that I need to do. And I have this kind of notion that that I'm already vulnerable because I don't necessarily have the self-confidence that I would stay the course, right? And so it is, it's a challenge, right? To kind of push this in a different realm, not in that usual realm of all of the things that actually our lives are saturated with in terms of activities, thinking, preoccupation, noise, distraction, et cetera. I don't know, Andy, if that, speaks to you. I know that there was a very interesting book that you mentioned once about hurrying, or I, I can't recall the title, but you know how we can become more disciplined in observing our own neurotic rushing, right? I mean, constant doing, right? Right. Yeah. The book I was, I was thinking of is uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Yes. Exactly. Uh, I think it was um, he, uh, the author, John Mark Comer, tells a story about when John Ortberg, another spiritual disciplines guy, was talking to Dallas Willard, who's like the grandfather of, of the contemporary uh, 
it, with Richard Foster, the contemporary spiritual disciplines kind of resurgence. And um, apparently Ortberg said, what does it really mean, Dallas, to, to like follow Jesus? Like, what, what's the one thing I need to do to follow Jesus? And apparently Willard just kind of sat there for a minute and thought about it and then just said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. <laughs> and Ort Ortberg was like, really? That like, okay, what else? I got my notebook here. I'm ready. And apparently Willard just paused for yeah, another minute. Just just respond, right? You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. Right. So yeah, this is like Sam talked about, I think last week, especially this is a subtraction thing yeah. rather than addition. This is a, a, a being and becoming thing rather than a doing. Um, it's such a cliche. We're human beings, not human doings, blah, blah, blah. You know, and like you almost get tired of people saying that. Um, but the practice of the presence of God is the practice of waking up to the fact that you are a being who lives as the old timers used to say, coram Deo in the face of God before God's smile and face 24 hours a day. And we're busy rushing through our lives, trying to check things off of our to-do lists, and we never get around to, to just being in God's presence. So a lot of the to-do is really, somebody has said that we need not to-do lists as well as to-do lists, right? Like we're good at making to-do lists, but we should be even better at making not to-do lists. What am I not going to do? I'm not going to grab my cell phone first thing in the morning. Um, I'm not going to sleep with it uh, on the nightstand. I'm not going to um, whatever uh, answer emails in the in the first three minutes uh, after they have agitated me with their contents or whatever. Like these are not like things that go on our to do list that add add like more insanity to our lives. This is really a discipline of less is more, right? Okay? Yeah. The, and going back to the, the Ruth Haley Barton thing, uh, the book you're reading, Tabby, the thing that really struck me in that book uh, called Discerning, uh, Discovering God's Will Together. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she says, I think she's borrowing it from somebody else, but she says, what is, what is being awake and present to God's reality in any given situation? What is discernment? In other words, it is, uh, the pursuit of God's desires, God's will. And she says, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. Yeah. Right. And for some reason that mantra, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. It dovetails with the silence and solitude speech. It dovetails with the simplicity speech. Simplicity in some ways is the discipline of saying, actually what I really need is nothing more nothing less and nothing else than the companionship of God as I go through his world, experiencing um, the spirits leading, trying to emulate as best as I can uh, the life of Jesus in this circumstance, right? No, exactly. And Sam, to build on Andy's comment, you made an interesting point, I thought, because I'd never thought of that. You said, you know, vis-a-vis -vis subtraction, when we let go of things, we also let in the possibility of other awareness and so on. So in other words, 
and and not to use kind of business language, but there's an opportunity cost essentially, right? I mean, um, you know, because we often think, oh, well, you know, if I let go of this kind of, don't I need something else to fill that? And I think the point that when we subtract, there's this incredibly gracious, as you said, the gift of addition that is a different form of addition, which is essentially God's presence and so on. So I think that's what maybe we sometimes miss is that we are always biased, I think, around the what are we losing? What are we giving up? What are we going to let go of? But I, I do, I was thinking today, this morning about kind of that the seesaw effect of when you let go, you let in, right? <laughs> you know, so I, I think it gave me something very interesting to think about that I'd never thought of before. I wonder if you could just elaborate on that because I, I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this back and forth is something, it's a tension we're all wrestling with at all times, right? Whether it's our work-life balance, whether it's our spiritual disciplines, whether it's, you know, insert whatever it is, you know, this idea we think of an old friend or family member and we think, oh, I need to call them, you know, but then we think, oh, well, but if I call them tonight, we'll be talking for an hour and it takes away an hour from time with my family or something else. And it's this constant tension, um, you know, and, and what's interesting is actually, I think Andy touched on this well in the sermon on Sunday uh, when he mentioned the word priorities and how the plural form is sort of a misnomer because we can only have one, right? And I thought that was a really helpful image for all of us to consider when we think about these disciplines apprenticing us to Christ or that we're trying to be more like Christ. You know, I actually add one. Well, the priority, of course, is God. But then the second, as Christ taught, was to love God and the second to love your neighbor. Right. And then in that famous story in Luke chapter 10, they ask, well, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. Right. And so one way I think about this tension, one way I think about this seesaw is when I think about simplicity, uh, I think about doing things or removing things that allow me to love God first and then also love people, right? So it could be around things. It could be around material possessions. Does this benefit my love for God or people? Um, it could be around time and your schedule. Does, does adding this thing or taking this thing away help me to love God and to love others? Do I have time to love my family and my neighbor? What is cluttering my time that is not allowing me to love God or love my neighbor more? And, and it, it, it seems sort of counterintuitive, at least at first thought, but then when you really dig into it, I think it's really quite true. But the Good Samaritan in many ways is an example for us on how we can simplify our lives. If you consider this person traveling, going down the road, something came up, clearly an opportunity to love God and love his neighbor. And he dropped what he was doing to, to care for this person. And so for me, this is another lens that I at least think about this tension. How are the takeaway of things creating space to love God and love people? And then how is the addition, whatever I choose to add or other people may come up with work, whatever. How do these new opportunities allow me to love God and love people more? And, and, holding that those two commands, the greatest commandment and the second being like it, uh, really helps me balance that tension. Could I share one uh, personal thing real quick with respect to simplicity? Um, it's it's funny that we're discussing this uh, this week uh, because my wife has been working um, 
at a school now for a couple of months and she's been working more and more. And the school is just on the other side of the ridge. It takes 15 minutes to drive there, but we don't have a car. It takes 55 minutes to go into town and then back the other direction. And we kind of have this like chip on our shoulders because we sold our car in 2015 and haven't owned one since we lived in Korea and then now in Switzerland without a car. And, you know, like the prideful part of me is like, we haven't had a car or better stewards of the environment. We're more simple than thou. Right. And now this week we're kind of like, oh man, we might need to get a car. It just seems to make sense. But actually it's liberating if if we take what Sam is saying seriously, that the the question that we ask before we make a major purchase like that is, will this allow me to love God and love my, my loved ones, my neighbor um, better? Or is this just indulgence in luxury for luxury's sake? Is this just a status symbol or something like that? Um, and this, we can, we can go and we can buy a car and we can, we can go, oh, it was nice not having a car for a few years and to live that life and everything. But actually shaving 45 minutes twice a day off of my wife's commute gives us an hour and a half with our neighbors and with each other. And like, a quiet time in the morning is more possible for Ellie. If she's not having to, to commute, okay, you can do a quiet time on the train, blah, blah, blah. But this is like, and sleep, like this will really change her sleep uh, in, the, in the days ahead. So we can go and we can buy a car, a simple car that does what it needs to do. Um, and it's still simplicity. Um, does that make sense? It's kind of ironic that we're in this position this week, but there we are. Well, I think what you're both saying is, right, we have to, again, I think it goes back to discernment, right? What's the lens that we're applying to evaluate this tension, right? So rather than a zero-sum game and saying, okay, negative, 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 ooh, I didn't consider what that, you know, the the oxygen that opens up, right? Um, and I don't know, it's, it's a very interesting issue, right, about constraints, because everything confirms that constraints are actually very liberating. So there, there's this fundamental paradox, I think, when we think about what contains us. And I think I was thinking as you were both speaking that clarity around our priority or priorities, right, is very clarifying, right? It, it actually gets rid of a lot of debris because when we're confronted then with a question or a choice, if we have drawn those lines in the sand to kind of you know, bring more clarity and focus and attention and awareness and discernment to our lives. There's a clarity there that I think is is very nurturing in terms of our spiritual journey, right? And I, so again, I think there, this is kind of a long game, I guess, is one way of putting it as opposed to the short game. I think looking at this as a journey as opposed to a destination perhaps might relieve some of that stress and anxiety about, can I do this? Should I sign on to this? Do I know what I'm getting into? Um, because again, as a psychologist, I'm always interested. I remember one thing stuck with me a few years ago and I've always thought about this. And I remember one psychologist telling me, another psychologist, she said, it's fascinating, isn't it? As human beings, we'd rather be wrong than be alone. Mm -hmm. 
And I think so much of what weighs into our decision-making is, is this going to make me feel alone? And, and I think so when you said, Andy, you know, my walk with Christ, right? Um, that's also another important issue, right? We're not on this journey alone. We're opening up the invitation for that, that partnership that, you know, right? I, I think again, we tend to be kind of myopic perhaps in, in looking at, oh, I don't know if I can do this. Um, and the evaluation that comes with that. Um, but I wanted to, to, I mean, in terms of your own perhaps experience with simplicity, I'm sure people would be really interested, right? In, in either decisions that you've made in the last couple of years that you, you think have brought kind of a, kind of elevated that commitment to simplicity or, you know, as you, as you said, Sam, the tension, you know, how you kind of reconciled attention. I think that would be extremely interesting for, for people that are listening. Yeah. Um, this one is sort of fun for me because um, it's sort of a two-sided coin where some, some people really think about simplicity as owning less, um, which is not a bad thing to work on, but for me has not always been an issue. Um, mm -hmm. I've always been a very simple person when it came to material things. That's just my character, my nature. Um, that's how I've always been. But for me, it became an issue um, when it talked about doing less, mm -hmm. right? And so for me, simplicity is looking at my life, how I'm spending my time, the things I'm saying yes to, and learning to say no, learning to say no to opportunities that may even be good opportunities, but as I said, are not helping me love God or love my neighbor more, love my, my wife more, my, my child more, right? My, people in my church more, whatever it might be. Um, because for me, and just as to be open and honest about it, when I started exploring this and staying awake to these things, one of the things God revealed to me was that I was staying busy and doing lots of things because I had doubts, really, if I'm being honest, about things revolving around my self-worth. And mm -hmm. so to myself, I was telling myself, if I'm busy all the time, this means I have value, right. right? And so when we talk about apprenticing ourselves to Christ and these dis disciplines of discipleship, what we're saying is, am I willing to remove some of these things from my schedule, for example, to have more downtime and to use that downtime to sit at the feet of Christ in prayer? Or, you know, one of the things this pairs with really well with me is that as I declutter, my schedule, this also pairs with the disciplines we talked about last week of silence and solitude. I am now able to have times of solitude and silence. And in fact, I would even say for me, that's very important is to schedule times of silence and solitude. Um, you know, I find that with less openness actually on my calendar, when I schedule times of, you know, silence and solitude or prayer, I even schedule on my calendar evenings where I'm, I put it in my calendar that just says fathering for three hours from five o'clock to eight o'clock. I am the primary parent. So my wife can do whatever she wants. And that's what I'm doing. And if someone says we need to have a last minute meeting, I say, I'm sorry, that, that, that time block's already booked. I'm fathering. And, 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 and one may say, well, yes, but surely you could substitute that out for this special meeting we have to have. And I would say, well, it's already on my schedule. Sorry about that. And so for me, it really is finding that balance, right? For me personally, it's about that. 
simplifying my calendar to do the things I know I must do and that God is calling me to do. And in doing those, then it opens up room for Christ, getting back to what I had mentioned about self-worth. It opens up space for Christ to reveal to me that my worth is indeed not found in my busyness and my hurry, as we're talking about, but actually in my ability to have balance, in my ability to be a better father, husband, pastor, friend, whatever it may be. Um, and so for me, that's that's much of what simplicity has looked like. And it's been a long process, to be totally honest, because pastors, we wear a badge sometimes of our busyness and our, um, I mean, Andy, I don't want to speak for you, but we often, many pastors wear a badge of this is how, this is how needed I am. This is how busy I am. And, and it makes us feel good. But even as pastors, we have to slow down, right. simplify our schedules and remind ourselves that all of this comes from Christ and through Christ. Uh, and that has to be the priority for me anyways. Right, right. No, that's very powerful. Andy, what do you think? A hearty amen to everything Sam said. Yeah, um, I think it's absolutely the occupational hazard of pastors, but also kind of Christians too. But of course, in our regular secular culture too, if you meet somebody and you bump into somebody at the train station, um, or at the grocery store, how are you doing? You you almost instinctively say, oh, I'm just so busy, right? And whether you really are or not, right? Like there's almost like, you're almost justifying to yourself and to them that your life is is worthy, uh, worthwhile uh, because you're busy. If you weren't busy, would, um, would you really be uh, pulling your weight, you know? It's just a really toxic way of, of thinking about our energy and our time, right? Um, and on the personal level for, for my wife and I, we are trying to, we're trying to ask ourselves uh, a question with respect to possessions and, um, opportunities. Uh, so in other words, how like the stuff and the time, right? The schedule and the belongings, if we have a, if there's something that's for sale, <laughs> we might get kind of excited about it and have like our consumer instincts like going crazy and Ooh, isn't that awesome? Let's get that. Let's get that. Our rule is that we have to, we have to ask ourselves, like with this purchase, if it's not a heck yes, then it's a no, right? Like the default is no, unless it's a heck yes. This is something that is going to make a huge difference in our life. It's going to help us love one another and God better. And it's just, this product was designed for us and for this moment in our lives. Like, um, and when we do the same thing with, with opportunities to spend our time, um, somebody invites us to something or asks us to do something or, or wants us to serve or, or has a genuinely cool opportunity for one of us. And we start to feel like, oh man, I'm just so busy. Like, I don't know. Like, I want to say yes, but I just don't know. We ask the same question. If it's not a heck yes, then it's a no. And you just stop mm -hmm. feeling guilty about it. Right. And actually the, what we've started doing too, when we approach other people with opportunities like we think, man, wouldn't it be great to have these people over for dinner or to go on a hike with these people? We will reach out to people and we will be very sensitive 
to their lives and to their schedule so that there is zero guilt for them if they say, I'm sorry, it's just not a heck yes for us right now. So it's going to have to be a no. Um, we just front load that with like, hey, just because I'm the pastor and I'm inviting you to something doesn't mean you have to say yes to it, right? Um, and I think that's just a, a much freer way to live with both our possessions and our time. Uh, we have to stop feeling guilty about, about declining inv invitations to do good things. Well, I think, you know, it's, it's a little bit of what I was just touching on, right? Experience doesn't come with an evaluation. We impose that evaluation, right? So we often inadvertently put ourselves into a corner not based on the reality of the opportunity, but based on, you know, how we kind of plug and play that opportunity relative to our needs, our wants, our expectations, and so on. So I think the, the spiritual disciplines just seem to me to be an incredible invitation to stay alert, to stay awake to the opportunities, um, and to not crowd our lives to such an extent that we you know, just to stay minimally awake is a challenge, right? And and so I think this notion of discernment, alertness, and wakeness, um, awareness is really powerful. But I think there is a discipline attached to it, right? Because I think it is very easy to get drawn in without even being conscious of it through, the, through those filters. Well, we're coming to the end of our time. Sam, did you have any closing remarks or comments? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't need to have the last word or anything, but I thought this, and, and I'd meant to share it earlier. Um, when I think about simplicity, just to, for those who are visual learners, uh, give you a, a, a mental image you can take with you if you want. Um, anyone who's ever tried to be a photographer knows what it's like to, what they say, live behind the lens. You go around and you're trying to take photos. You're trying to get the best photo. You're trying to capture some beautiful vista. You're trying to, you know, you're really trying to do something that's good. Right. And, um, I, I actually had a, a season in my life where I tried to do this. I bought a nice camera. I was doing this. And, um, but what's funny about this is you can go, go, go and try to take all these nice photos. But if you've ever been to some place that is just so spectacularly beautiful, you just can't get the right photo of it. You just can't capture it even with the, 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 the world's best camera. And for me, I remember very vividly in my life, uh, going to the Grand Canyon in the in the United States, and if you've ever been there, it is just one of the most aesthetically pleasing places on the planet that I've ever seen. And you can try to take as many photos as you want from as many angles with the widest lens, with the nicest equipment at sunrise, at sunset, but you will never mm -hmm. capture its majesty. And at some point, you have to stop looking through the lens, sit down on a bench, yeah, and just look at it. And to me, that's the image I think of when I think about simplicity. We're constantly trying to add or to take something with us or do all these things around life. And oftentimes what we need to do is just find that rest and simplicity gives us the ability to stop trying to take photos, to sit on a bench and just sit quietly before something beautiful for an hour and take it in. And that's something that visually I always think of when I get really busy. Um, and life is just that beautiful, I think, that we should simplify things so that we can sit down and take it in every so often. And so that's something that I think of when I think of simplicity that would hopefully be a helpful image for some yeah, others. Absolutely. And staying in that state of awe rather than taking a selfie, right? Wonderful. Well, Sam, would you like to close us in, in prayer? Yeah, happily. Let's pray. God, thank you. 
Um, Lord, we give you thanks for so much, but uh, we also give you thanks for the ability to have these conversations. Lord, the things you have blessed us with and the lives you have given us to be able to have conversations surrounding these things is such a, a luxury, really. Lord, we know there are many whose life may be forced upon them who do not have the option to simplify their work schedules or their hobbies or their material possessions. And so, God, for this, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for the many blessings that even allow us to have this conversation. And Lord, we pray that we would learn to steward these things well that we would learn to steward the blessings you have given us, that we would learn to steward and take care of our time with family and friends and strangers. Lord, all of these things are a gift. And so for them, we say thank you. And we ask that you would teach us through Christ's example with the power of the Holy Spirit, how we might find simplicity in our lives, not for the sake of it or for minimalism, but for a pursuit of you and our desire to live life like Christ. And so, God, we make that our prayer together as sisters and brothers in Christ, um, asking you to teach us. And we pray this all in the mighty and powerful and glorious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, thank you both. Yeah. It was terrific. I'm sorry. I was conscious of the time. Would have loved to have continued. <laughs> oh, that's great. Thanks, Tabby. We, uh, we have three talkers in the room. It's going to happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> there is no guilt. You can, dear listeners, you can simplify your life by just stopping, hit the pause button anytime you want without any guilt. God bless you. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.